Good morning again. Shall we pray? Let's pray that the word of God will come to us in clarity, um, with power, the conviction of the Holy Spirit. Shall we please pray? Father, we pray, let your word come to us in clarity. We pray, O God, in the name of Jesus, with full conviction and the power of the Holy Spirit, O Lord. We beg you to help us. Lord, speak to us. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. So we are ending our journey through the book of Acts. Um, Paul now in chapter 27, he is on his way to Rome. In chapter 28, he finally gets there. And as we had read to us, this is a storm, this is a shipwreck. That is what happens. And Luke, this, and Luke takes time to give detailed account of a journey on the sea. That this is something that happened. This is not a parable. This is something they experienced. And Luke takes his time as a proper historian giving us all the details. And I believe Luke is showing us the storm they experienced to teach us something about the storms we will experience. So the title of our message this morning is The Storms of Life. The Storms of Life. We'll learn truth about storms, Handling the storms and purpose of the storms. Now look at verse 9. We didn't read this, but look at verse 9. So the first point, truth about storms. Much time had been lost and sailing had already become dangerous because by now it was after the day of atonement. So Paul warned them, men, I can see that our voyage is going to be disastrous and bring great loss to ship and cargo and to our own lives also. So here, Paul is not merely just giving some, he's not an expert, he's not a sailor. I think here he's speaking from a revelation God presumably had given to him. I can see, this is what is going to happen. Verse 11, but the centurion, Instead of listening to what Paul said, followed the advice of the pilot. Look at the people there. The pilot and of the owner of the ship. Verse 12. Since the harbor was unsuitable to winter in. So the pilot says, we have to go. The owner says, of course. And they look at their surroundings and say, this place is not even safe. And the last one, the majority decided that we should sail on hoping to reach Phoenix and winter there. This was a harbor in Crete facing the southwest and the northwest. And in verse 13, when a gentle south wind began to blow. So they, they, almost everything is saying that, Charlie, let's go. Everybody is saying, let's go. The question I'm asking myself is, okay. The story should have been, Paul says, please, let's stay. And the people said, let's go. And then God, by a miracle, will let Paul not board that ship. He will board a different ship, and then they will go. And Paul, perhaps in his ship, will meet them shipwrecked and said, I told, look, 
if you had listened, look at how safe I am. Look at me now. How I'm, I'm okay. But look at what has happened to you. But is that what happened? Paul also experienced a near death, had a near death experience. Paul was also at risk of losing his life. If there was anyone who did not deserve to be in such a storm, it was Paul. You know, he was a preacher of the gospel. Paul, Paul is not a criminal. He is telling people about the good news of Jesus, but yet he nearly loses his life. Brothers and sisters, there's a truth we have to know. The truth about storms. Storms will come. Storm will come. Take a minute and think about this. Do you know of godly Christians? Now, I'm not just talking about any kind of Christian. Somebody who comes to church but doesn't work with the Lord. I'm saying, do you know of godly parents who have lost their children? Do you know of a godly Christian who has lost a spouse? Do you know of a godly Christian who is suffering from a serious illness? Do you know of a godly Christian who has just lost a business? Do you know of a missionary who has been hit by cancer on the field and had to come back home? So let me ask you. If you know godly Christians who have had all these experiences, what makes you think that you may not experience this, will not experience some storms? What makes you think that you, you are a special kind of Christian, so storms will never come in your life? Storms will come. Christianity does not offer immunization against storms. A couple of days ago, I was looking through some documents and I picked my yellow card. So the shorts are there in the date. And one of the shorts, so the date you take the short and when it expires, you know what they write? Life. It will never expire. I'm immune against yellow fever. There's immunization for certain diseases. But for the Christian, the Bible never gives you any assurance that you, you are so special that you will not have storms. Brothers, sisters, storms will come. So this is what it should mean. If now you are having some form of quiet and respite in your life, do you know what sometimes we think? I will think that, Charlie, of course, my children are healthy. Do you know the way I pray? Do you know the way I pray? My, I've not had any major disaster. My wife, she, she goes, to, she goes to, um, to deliver and she comes back home. 
actually the first thing we do and the people that pray, don't you know godly Christians who have prayed and they lost their wives? If the storm has not hit, go on your knees and be thankful. Never ever draw a line between the tranquility in your life and your spirituality. And think that, of course, if there's anybody in this world that God wants to keep. (laughs) If God wants to choose one person, by all means. Storms. Don't let anybody tell you that they are so powerful a prophet that they can let all your troubles in life disappear. Please, go to their homes and ask their wives. Have their troubles disappeared for them? Look at their children. Have all the troubles in the world disappeared for them? How can they make such a promise to you? Storms will come. And again, I'm emphasizing, I'm not saying that storms will come to bad people, non-serious Christians. No, no. God has given us authority. There are some things you ought to pray for and we can stop. Yes. You shall decree a thing and it shall be established. Yes. We pray that God will deliver us from the evil one. Yes. Ask and you shall receive. Yes, there are all these promises. in. So, yes, yes, yes to all these things. At the end of the day, also remember. Storms will come. So, in our moment of peace and calm and joy, it's, it's, it's an opportunity for gratitude. Not a sense of, I have earned this. Not a sense of, I have been, I have been good. Not a sense of, I deserve this. Because you know and I know of people who are more godly than you. Who are more spiritual than you. Who have had terrible things come into their lives. So, the storms about life, we are talking about the truth about storms, they will come. They will come. So it's important we know how to handle the storms that are inevitable. How do we handle? The passage presents us with two things, and they go hand in hand. Two things. Something about God and also about you. Let's look at verse 21. After they had gone a long time without food, Paul stood up before them and said, Men, you should have taken my advice not to sail from Crete. Then you would have spared yourselves and this damage and loss. But now I urge you to keep your courage because, listen to what it says, because not one of you will be lost. Only the ship will be destroyed. Why? Last night an angel of the God of whom I belong and whom I serve, stood beside me and said, Do not be afraid, Paul. You must stand trial before Caesar. 
and God has graciously given you the lives of all who sail with you. The angel appears to Paul and says, listen, Paul, you will get to your destination. Paul, you must stand before Caesar. You are not going to stand in front of Caesar as a ghost. You are going to stand in front of Caesar and testify. And remember in um, last week, Pastor read for us chapter 23, I think verse 11. Yes. The following night, the Lord stood near Paul and said, Take courage, as you have testified about me in Jerusalem, so you must also testify in Rome. God is totally in charge. It will happen just as he has been told. God is totally in charge. Storms do not happen at the blind side of God. How to handle our storms? God is in charge of the storms that will hit us. He says, Paul, listen, you will get to Rome and testify about me. So we see what the angel does. The angel brings a word of promise and a word of assurance to Paul. So what Paul needed to be able to handle the storm was not expertise on sailing. He didn't need that. It was a word of assurance and promise the angel brought unto him. Paul, you will get to Rome. And we see what he says also about himself. Do not be, verse 24, do not be afraid, Paul. You must stand trial before Caesar, and God has graciously given you the lives of all with you. In verse 23, he said, Last night, an angel of the God, to whom I belong and whom I serve. Now, Paul is, is facing a near death, having a near-death experience. He's about losing his life, but he says that I belong to God. He says that I serve God. Paul, if you belong to God, why are you in this situation? Well, he says, I have a word of promise. Because I belong to him, I will get to my destination. So something we have to know about God, God is totally in charge. God is not indifferent to the storms we are facing. So in the midst of our storms, we need a word of assurance. That is what we need, a word of assurance. How do we get this word of assurance? You see the language Paul used here, it's a covenant language. I belong to God on what basis? That a human being, you can claim that you belong to the maker of heaven and earth on what basis? Well, on the basis of the message he has been preaching all his life. I mean, after he became saved. That Jesus Christ experienced the worst of storms. He did not simply risk his life. On the cross, you remember that for about three hours, there was darkness 
over the whole region. Why? Jesus lost his throne above his comfort. So that we, as we believe in him, we can know that God will never leave us nor forsake us. On the cross, he was crying that, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Like, if there's anyone in the universe who needs to know the love and assurance and peace of God, it was Jesus. But in our place on the cross, he was forsaken by God. Why? So that God can look us in the face and say, I will never ever leave you nor forsake you. The God to whom I belong. And this is the word of assurance that we need in our storms. Now, this, this has an implication for us. Do you know that sometimes, for, especially when things are okay, a lot of the times, a lot of our praying, we are praying against witches, we are praying against wizards, we are praying against people, against our children, we are praying. So, most of our praying is against Pray those prayers is good. But remember point one. After all those prayers, what will happen? Storms will come. So you need something more than praying against. You need to pray that you will know the presence and the assurance of God. That should be, you see, when we come to the epistles and look at the prayers of Paul, look at the prayers Paul has been praying for the church. That the eyes of your understanding will be enlightened in the knowledge of him. Look at Paul, Paul's own ambition and prayer in Philippians chapter 3 verse 10. That I may know him. If you are spending all your prayers, if all your prayers are missiles, they are king, they are AK-47, if you are turning your prayer to miss, good. But you are... You, you are doing you are making a big error in the when the storm hits if this is all the kind of prayers you are praying and the storm hits god by why it will it will not just be the pain of what has happened it will be the surprise that this can happen to you this is double trouble so here the way paul handles the angel comes the angel brings him a word of assurance so this is what you should be pursuing and be praying for. So sometimes when you come and we are praying that we want to know God, don't think that it's, it's because we don't know how to turn the, the name of Jesus into a um, hand grenade and throw it into the camp of the enemy. No, no, no. It's because we are aware of this. What you need in the storm is an awareness of the presence of God with you. To be able to say that the God to whom I belong, that this storm is not because I am a sinner. The storm that has come to me is not because God is punishing me for the abortion I had three years ago. I have confessed and I know he has forgiven me. This is a storm that happens to anyone. I'm also one. It can happen to me. So that you face your storms with God not run away from God when storms hit. So handling our storms, something about God. But there's also another important thing we need to notice. It's like a paradox. Look at verse 30. 
in an attempt to escape from the ship, the sailors let the lifeboat down into the sea, pretending they were going to lower some anchors from the bow. Now, the sailors, they have the experience. They can foresee where this is going. Early retirement. In the grave. So they say, Charlie, let's help ourselves. So they pretend that, oh, there are some things they have to do. They have to lower some more anchors so that the, the ship can be stabilized. Now Paul said, then Paul said to the centurion and the soldiers, unless these men stay with the ship, you cannot be saved. But Paul had earlier told them that none of them will be lost. The angel had actually told him, God has graciously given you the lives of all who sail with you. There were 276. Yet Paul is saying, God said, none of you will be lost. But now listen, if the sailors don't stay and work hard, none of you will be saved. Which is which? He actually says more, verse 34. Now I urge you to take some food. So this, after some time, the people decided to go on a fast. They couldn't even. Now I urge you to take some food. You need it to survive. Now which is which? Is it God or the sailors or is it food? Both. Usually, we would want to say, if God is in complete control and he has given us a word, what to happen will what happen. Yes, God is sovereign. But in this is also teaching us something. The way God has chosen to make what he has said happen is through the choices and responsibility of the people. So Paul doesn't come and say, Listen, last night an angel appeared to me. None of you will be lost. Guys, party after party. Stay calm and let go. Don't bother. He says, guys, listen. If the sailors leave now, you will die. He's teaching us this paradox of the Christian faith. That what God has said, he will do. Yet, you have choices to make. You also have responsibilities. It's not just left up to God. Your choices also matter. So, for example... For those of us who are facing the perpetual financial storm, like money is hard, and maybe you've gone for a meeting, you've been given a word of assurance, God will bless you. Great. But if you keep spending the money the way you are spending money, listen, you'll forever be poor. For some of us, Perhaps in our family, we've seen this cycle of illness. Maybe 
I'm no expert, maybe diabetes, something that is hereditary. And you know that this should affect how you eat. You are, you've gone, hands have been laid upon you. Your father passed away, a brother is suffering from it. Hands have been laid upon you. But you're not watching your diet. You said your food is to do the father's will. You are, <laughs> you are eating the Bible and praying. And then you are continuing to eat anyhow. You don't bother with exercise. Charlie, this morning when I woke up, <laughs> I was telling Sarah, Charlie, Sarah, I'm sore. Like, what is wrong? And I remembered what Tim did to us yesterday. <laughs> so you are praying for long life. But when you see people jogging, you tell them, Charlie, everybody will die. <laughs> When you see people exercising and watching their diet, you say, Charlie, Sika, <laughs> you don't have money to buy bands, but at least, Renam. <laughs> Please, we will die young, despite all the prayers. God's word is true. You also have certain responsibilities in handling your storm. Your choices have real consequences. And we need to remember both. If you don't remember both and it's just left up to your, your choices, you should panic. Look at all the wrong choices you've made. If it's just left to your choices, then you should know that you are gone. But there's a sovereign hand. There's a sovereign God. There's a powerful God. There's a gracious God working behind the scenes. So, we have to rejoice in the fact that God is sovereign. Yet, for some people to, they become complacent. They don't care. Like you are praying and asking God for a breakthrough in work. But you're not sitting down to look at your CV, how you prepared it. Typos all over. But God will do it. <laughs> Please. I don't think God comes to type. <laughs> Our choices are real and they have consequences. So, apply wisdom and make the right choices in obedience unto God, in submission to His will. Some people they forget that God is sovereign, so in doing their choices, it's just left up to them, so it's ways and means. Whatever they will do, they will do. No, no. So they make wrong choices to curb storms. You are digging a hole for yourself. So handling our storms, two things about God and also about us. We are not, Christianity is not fatalism. God has said it full stop. I don't matter. No. Our third thing, the purpose. 
Let's look at 2 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 3 to 4. Brothers and sisters, God will not waste your tears. God will not waste your pain. No, God won't do that. 2 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 2 Corinthians 1, 3 to 4. Let's see a principle there. Praise be to God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of compassion and the God of all comfort, who comforts us in all our troubles. Look at the purpose. So that we can comfort those in any trouble with the comfort we ourselves receive from God. God comforts us in all our troubles, not so that we become comfortable, but so that we can become comforters. God will not waste your tears. And we see this play out here. Look at verse 20. When neither sun nor stars appeared for many days, and the storm continued raging, we finally gave up all hope of being saved. Now, this Luke writing, he was there, we, himself, Paul, all the others, the sailors, everybody, they were in the same WhatsApp group. They had given up any hope of being saved. Charlie, we are done. So when the angel appears, you remember, see what it tells Paul, verse 24. The angel said, do not be afraid, Paul. Why does Paul need to hear this? Charlie, the guy was scared to death. So the angel comes and gives him a word of assurance. And as a result, what happened? Paul says, verse 22 says, But now I urge you to keep your courage. Verse 25, so keep up your courage. Now this man was afraid and had given up all hope of being saved. Now he's going around offering courage and encouragement to people. God comforts us in our trouble so that we can become comforters. The peculiar storms that you have experienced is also preparing you for a peculiar ministry. God will not waste your tears. So it's not purposeless. Of course, it's not always that we get to know the purpose. It's not always that you can see that, okay, because I'm going through this, this is how it will be. It is, we don't know. Ask Job. You see, it's quite interesting. With Job, he never got to know that all that had happened to him was as a result of God's will. We get the privilege of knowing. Why? Because we also will face certain storms that we can't tell. This seems so meaningless and purposeless. Yet the principle is, God will comfort you through the storm so that you can also be a comforter. So with the storms that you have been through, don't... Christian fellowship sometimes... We all want to put a face. Things have been well. 
we know ourselves. It's not been so. The challenge that you face that God brought you through might be useful for someone. Somebody needs to know that you also went through this, but God had been merciful unto you. You actually made some terrible decisions in the storms, but you can testify that God is gracious. And this would be an encouragement to others who are afraid and giving up all hope. Think about the greatest of tragedies that have ever happened. The most innocent of persons, Jesus, dying on the cross. That is what has brought us here. It wasn't purposeless. Our storms are not purposeless. So this morning we are saying, storms will come. So let's handle it well, so that we can bring comfort and encouragement unto others. Shall we pray? Is there any peace you're experiencing now that you want to thank God for? You don't want to take the credit. You don't want to take the it is it is naive of you to take the credit. We want to pray and say, Father, we thank you. In the name of Jesus. Do you have any storm now? Are you going through some storms now? Be gone, unbelief, my Savior is near. And for my relief will surely appear. By prayer, let me wrestle. And he will perform. With Christ in the vessel, we can smile out that storm. Tis yours to obey, tis his to perform. Whilst each Ebenezer we have in review confirms his good pleasure to see us quite through. You want to pray that, Lord, may I know your nearness. That because of Jesus, because Jesus died and rose again for sin, I am never abandoned. Others are saying yes. It seems God is not for you. But on the basis of the promise of his word, you are saying, I know I'm not abandoned. I, I know because of the God. Father, let me know this more deeply. What we need through our storms is the word of promise and assurance. You belong to God. You belong to God. That, oh Lord, may I know that I have been bought at a price enlighten the eyes of my understanding in the knowledge of you that I will know you more deeply. I will know you better, oh God. I will know you better. May we know you. May we know you. May we know you, Lord. Through the fire, through the storms, through the waters, Lord, may we know you. Oh, the people who know their God, will be strong. Father, may we know you. And you want to say, Father, I offer 
my pain, my shame, my tears to you, Lord, use it. Use it. That I, even in my present weakness, can become an encourager unto others. Lord, I pour my tears to you. My shame, my sorrow, my fears, my anxieties, Lord, I offer to you. May it bring you glory. Through it, Lord, may others praise you. Lord, I offer unto you.